for the What is nothing? Yeah, that's D. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Oh, hi. Welcome to That's Deep, bro. So obnoxious. Uh, silly questions. No, serious questions with silly people. Durr. Uh, hi, I'm Christina P. Christina Pajitsky. It's gone back to Pajitsky now. I surrender. I'm a Polak, and I can't think of a clever stage name. You know what I mean? I've I've tried for years to sound cool, and it's just not me. I just can't. Like I'm a I'm a blue collar Polak. That's where I stand. All right. My dad is a forklift mechanic. All right. I'm from the San Fernando Valley. Uh, I grew up eating hot dogs stuffed with chili. I like Top Ramen, and I still eat Kraft uh, Shake. No, no, I, I just made um, Shake and Bake the other night for my, my husband because uh, I'm white trash, still white trash. Hi, welcome to the show. I A um, few announcements before we get going. May 27th and May 28th, I am performing at the La Jolla Comedy Store in La Jolla. That's fancy San Diego, California. Um, most Saturdays, if I'm not performing outside of LA, I am at the comedy store in Hollywood, Saturday nights, seven thirty show. That's, that's my jam. The seven thirty early show. A lot of you have been coming out and, um, and checking out the show. And I really appreciate that. And so does the comedy store. I'm telling you that place is on fire right now. Um, everybody's there last night, Bill Burr, Anthony Jeselnik, Nikki Glazer, Kirk Fox, Mark Marin. I mean, how many amazing talents in one in one uh, club? It's pr- it's pretty great right now. It's it's a, re- a renaissance, if you will, happening at the store. Um, also, uh, if you love my show, shop with my Amazon banner, please, please, please. What does that mean? That means you go to thatsdbropodcast.com. You click on the little square that says Amazon at the bottom of every post and you do your shopping as you normally would. And that just kicks back a little bit of change from your purchase to my show. And it helps me uh, you know, do things like buy equipment and buy shake and bike and uh, you know, stuff like that. I'm on Twitter at Christina P. Instagram, Christina P-A-Z. Okay, that's it. That's the commercial for today. Uh, the topic, mommies and jeans and bros and loves listening, uh, is regret. Yeah. How's that one? That one stings in your butthole a little bit, doesn't it? Um, someone emailed me asking me to do the subject, and initially I was like, what? I don't regret shit. Uh, and then I started thinking about it and talking about it with my husband and like, it's complicated. It's a little more complicated uh, than than meets the eye. So let's get into a bros. Let's do the topic of regret, and uh, and who better to to sing about it than the f- uh, fabulous Edith Piaf? Oh, I love Edith Piaf. My mother loved Edith Piaf. She's a French singer from the wartime, and uh, Edith Piaf was an orphan, and just a horribly tragic story, and was a street singer and became a huge star in France. And I just love her. I grew up listening to Edith Piaf. My mother would play her um, on Sundays and clean the house to her. It was tragic. It was now, now listening. Now, as an adult, I'm like, wow, my mom may have been depressed because it's it's all like wartime music, you know. It's about soldiers dying and and uh, tra- tragedy, tragedy. You know, life is horrible and oh god death so there you go there's my um eastern block heritage kicking in so here we go let's kick it off with edith piaf i regret nothing Rien de rien 
love that. I love how she does her R's. <laughs> Is that a French thing? <laughs> what a what a voice on that broad, huh? And her eyebrows were all weird. That that was cool to do the uh, the chola eyebrow. The uh, Marlena Dietrich, I think, originated this, where you shave it off and then you pencil it in, and then. The uh, the Chola Gangbangers of Los Angeles picked that nice look up, and they too do it. And then goths picked that up as well. A lot of goth girls I knew growing up uh, were shaving their eyebrows and then penciling them back in. And little known fact: sometimes when you shave your brows, they don't go, they don't grow back. <laughs> they don't grow back. Not always. So you got to be careful if you're shaving your eyebrows. Uh, don't always do. It. Yeah, you don't want to shave them. And even if you tweeze them too much, sometimes they don't grow back. And I've learned that lesson the hard way. Yeah. So there you go. So today is Sunday and I am podcasting during my kid's nap, his morning nap. I, uh, Ellis is now five months old. Can you believe it? I can actually, I don't, (laughs) I don't know who these people are. They're like, it just flies by time just flies by with a baby. Well, I'm like, obviously, uh, you're not fucking with that kid every day because if you feel like time's flying, you ain't doing it right. Because <laughs> this shit did not fly. I, 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 uh, wow. I mean, I'm glad we're five months into the game and it's changed. He's, he's a full baby now and he smiles and he has a personality and he's sleep trained. So he sleeps 12 hours a night, which is amazing. Uh, if you got a baby and you're listening to the show, you got to sleep train the fucker. And I, <clears throat> I know there's a lot of, a lot of uh, whatever hoopla in the mommy community about about sleep training and if it's cruel and if it's possible. And this, let me tell you something. I live in the most liberal part of the country. I'm, uh, uh, you know, I got a, a hippie doctor, and even my doctor was like, "Yo, you got to sleep train." And she has three boys. And she's like, I sleep trained my third kid when he was six weeks old. Now, I don't know about that. <laughs> but I know at four months we did it with the E-Man. And it's changed our lives. Uh, you don't have to let them just cry in their crib. That's not the point. You can do a modified cry it out where you check on them. You love them. And listen, Jim Gaffigan said it best. He goes, sleep training is basically you put them in the crib and they cry. Or you put them in your bed and they cry. <laughs> They're going to cry either way. At least my kid. My kid was crying either way. So I thought we may as well just, uh, we just you suffer. You suffer for like three three days basically of hell and then uh, peace. And then I have a schedule now. The kid sleeps from 9.30 to roughly 10.30 and I get to podcast. So let's. I hope I can get through the hour. Uh, cross your fingers that we get through this hour without baby jeans waking up. We'll see what happens. Uh, on a side note, I, I took the advice this week of, of a friend of mine who has a kid too. She, she told me that uh, at the beginning of her momhood career, um, she couldn't, you know, you don't sleep in the very beginning. You're just sleep deprived and crazy. And uh, her husband told her to go to a hotel for a night just to sleep. And I thought, wait, what? You can do that. <laughs> you can. You can. You can do that. And so I told my husband, and at first he was like, what? What are you going to do? I'm like, listen, bro, I haven't slept in over a year. Truthfully, it's been about a year and five months because, no, maybe a little bit less. Here's why. Uh, when you're pregnant, you don't sleep because you got to wake up and take a piss every two minutes from the time you find out you're pregnant, you're hot, you're uncomfortable, you're itching, uh, you know, there's a million other ailments, your boobs hurt, you got to piss every two seconds. So now you're not sleeping for the nine months of pregnancy. And then the kid's born, and forget that. You're not sleeping again for a few more months. Um, so I haven't slept. I've been like a, a, a refugee, like, um, like a torture victim. That's what they do to the people. They torture them with sleep deprivation for a reason, because that shit works. There, there is no greater hell for me personally than not sleeping. It, it is the only thing, and I, the only thing that I really, really hesitated on with having a kid, which sounds so dumb, and I'm aware of how retarded I sound right now, but I, I have to tell you that it, it was like my only hesitation. Because <laughs> I really, I need to sleep. You know you know what it's like not to sleep. You lose your fucking mind. It, it's horrible. So, so I took a momcation 
and I check myself into a hotel nearby. And I, I mean, this, this is the weird thing. And I, and I was thinking to myself, what do I miss the most about my life before having a kid? Because let's be honest, and a lot of women aren't, by the way, about it. And I don't know why there is a stigma to just saying, hey, dude, some shit about being a mother is pretty horrible. It's, it's not all wine and roses. It's not Donna Reed. It's not like a maze all the time. And I, and I think part of the reason we don't want to say anything is because you're afraid of being perceived as a bad mother. Maybe you're afraid uh, that your kid will pick up on these bad energies that you have and, and I don't know, feel that you don't enjoy everything. Maybe other women will judge you, whatever. But, you know, look, of a few things I miss from my old life, and believe me, there are a lot of things I miss about my old life. Uh, wait, did I say that I love my kid? I do. <laughs> I do. And it's amazing. There's so much about it that's a, a maze. But, uh, but there's some things I miss. And, and the most the thing I miss the most, obviously sleeping, because even though he sleeps 12 hours, you know, you're still on mom alert. You still, I still have right now. Listen, you want to hear a sound? Hold on. Oh shit. I just turned it down the opposite way. You know what that is? It's the sound of a baby monitor. <laughs> and that's what you sleep next to when you have a kid because you hear every little blip, every little whimper, every little Wah! and your heart palpitates in the middle of the night and you jump up and um, you don't really rest. There's no such thing. You're always on call. So when I checked into the hotel, I noticed the what I really missed. It's sleep, yes, but it's idle time. It's uh, freedom of the mind. It's It was just... Uh, the leisureliness of of a life without a child and little things like just sitting and staring. (laughs) How much did I miss sitting and staring? My God. And I used to sit and stare a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm an only child. Most of my life was spent avoiding my parents in my room and sitting and staring or sitting and listening to records or reading or, you know, playing alone. And I... I checked into this beautiful hotel and I sat by the pool that overlooked the beach. And I love the beach, as you guys know. And uh, we moved away from the beach. So now part of me is missing. And I, I went to the, I was near the Santa Monica Pier and I ordered a glass of wine, white wine, which I haven't had in a year and five months, nine months and five months. I don't know what that is. And um, I ordered a shrimp cocktail and I just stared. <laughs> I stared at the ocean. I stared at people. I looked at people. I judged them silently like I always do. I uh, I scolded a woman silently for letting her newspaper fly around and litter the area. <sighs> and I got hammered off of half a glass of white wine, which was amazing. I was like, well, I can't finish this. I can't finish this. <laughs> I'm crazy. I'm a mom now. <laughs> What's going to happen next today? I don't know. I might take a nap. Oh, crazy. <sighs> so then I, I went from the pool because eventually I had to take a piss and there's no fucking toilets by the pool. I don't, and I know you're thinking, why don't you just wear your bathing suit and pee in the pool like everybody else? Well, uh, my room wasn't ready. I didn't change. Long story short, I could have pissed in the pool. I didn't. And I scheduled a massage, a massage, and I decided to eat a cheese plate right before the massage and drink more wine. I was already hammered from half a glass, and I decided being a smart person and being free for the first time in a year and a half that I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to get crazy. I ordered a cheese platter with five different cheeses, um, and I, I got even more drunk on another, on one more glass of white wine. I'm sorry, sparkling white wine. And I was drunk to the point where I was like telling other people what to order. <laughs> that's, that's when I know I'm off the rails is when I'm talking to strangers and enjoying it. Like, come on, who am I? I don't talk to fucking <laughs> strangers in a bar in a hotel. I was telling these Canadians, um, they were debating on the cheese platter and they're like, do we get the three or the five cheeses. And I was like, you got to get a five. That's what I'm rocking a five. Like I'm fucking crazy. <sighs> so I eat my five cheeses, five. And I clean the plate. Of course I clean the fucking plate. 
You know what I'm saying? And it's not good to have five different versions, variations of cheese in your belly as you lay down on a massage table. And I'm laying there and I'm drunk and she's rubbing me. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I got to fart, you know, because five different cheeses and I have to fart. And not only that, since you have a kid, I can't hold in a fart to save my life. It's, it hasn't happened in months. Um, plus, I'm a little tipsy. So the, the fart control is nil. And, uh, you know, listen, long story short, I didn't fart, but I had to really, really clench my ass to stop it from happening. So it was like stressful, you know, like, oh my God, I'm going to rip it and this woman's going to know. Um, but I, I didn't fart, but I really, really felt like I could and, and, uh, but it was great. It was, it was really nice. And ironically, I didn't really sleep. I didn't really sleep in the hotel because I went back to my room and I drank more and, uh, I felt like I was like, you know, spring break for mom. (laughs) That's the irony. I didn't fucking rest at all. I just got more drunk and watched TV. I watched that 50 shades of gray piece of shit movie again because it was on their cable channel. And then I, you know, went to bed late, woke up early. And that that was my big vacation, but it was awesome. It was like it gave it gave me perspective on my life. You know, I came back and I looked at my kid and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is it. This kid's older. I'm I'm not in newborn land anymore. I was still being traumatized from the past." And I saw my husband, and I loved him, and I saw my dog, you know, the whole thing. Perspective. You got to travel sometimes. You got to get away just for like a day and uh, clear your head. And I really, really needed it. So if you're listening to this and you're a mom, just get the fuck out for one night. Just tell your husband, look, bruh, bruh, I got to go. I got to sleep. Tell him you have to sleep. They don't know any better. And just go drink and eat cheese and get a massage. It's the fucking best thing ever. Um, there we go. So topic today, regret. Regret. <sighs> yeah. So at first I heard this and I was like, I don't really have regrets. And I don't really believe in regrets. I don't believe in this idea. And here's why. First of all, what is regret? Regret is looking back in the past. Uh, It's a depressive thing, right? You're looking back. It's back thinking. And you're going, I should have, could have, would have. If only I had, uh, I should have done things differently, right? But in my mind, you're implying that you knew all the variables, you're implying that you saw all the angles. You were of, of the sound mind and consciousness to go, I know exactly where I am, what I'm doing. I know what's going to happen down the road. And I chose wrong. But here's the thing, bros, is that, listen, you make your decisions as you go, right? And uh, you modify along the way. Shit's not working out. Change leads. Like when you're riding a horse. Change leads different area, go into a different pasture. Uh, but to, to have a regret initially, I was like, yeah, that's, that's implying that what you've done is wrong. And there are no, there, to to me, there really is no such thing as a wrong decision. There's only being informed at the time. There's only, you know, you did the best you could with what you were given at the time. And, um, and you made a choice. It's really just a series of choices, life, right? This series of decisions, and you made a choice. And to regret it is kind of a useless emotion because you think, ah, I should have, could have, would have. But then the hubster and I were talking about it. And uh, he goes, no, I think it's more uh, people saying that they, there's things that you, uh, it's, it's, there's things like you should have taken action on, right? Uh, you should have gone for that opportunity. You should have met with so-and-so. You should have... Um, should have tried that thing, you know, or, or maybe you regret not saying things to certain people, you know, you should have said these things and, and, uh, and you didn't. And that's, and that's more of what people are talking about. And I was like, Oh, right. Like, uh, you know, that whole stereotypical deathbed scene, I should have, I should have, uh, told my mother or father, I loved them before they died and, and all that. Um, Yeah. So I think the real question is, is why don't we take action? Because that seems to be the, the big regret, right, is, is not taking action. And why don't people act on the impulses they have and then they look back? And that's what the essence of the regret is, right? It's like, shit, I, 
had this impulse and I ignored the impulse and now I feel badly that I ignored an impulse. There's, there's that. And then there's just, look, I fucked up. I made a bad decision. I broke up with somebody I shouldn't have. They could have been the love of my life, yada, yada. I don't buy that, by the way. If they were the love of your life, you still be with them. Because relationships, I'm sorry, they should not be that fucking hard, okay? Okay? But I found an article, of course, in a psychology magazine. Let's see what it says about regrets. There's some book that came out, The Five Regrets uh, When People Die or some shit. Hold on. Let me find this shit. Oh, here we go. Here's the, here's the article, The Psychology of Regret. This is from uh, psychologytoday.com. What can we learn from people who knew they are dying? Who knew they are dying? Is that grammatically correct? What can we learn from people who knew they were di- they are dying? I don't fucking know. Anyway, uh, there's a book, uh, The Top Five Regrets of Dying. Hey, and what do I always talk about? Isn't that interesting? I always talk about death, existentialism, uh, knowing that one will die, which is why initially I was like, look, man, I've, I've been so fucking hardcore Eastern Bloc my whole life. I, my parents, I look, look, I play Edith Piaf at the top of the show because that's the ethic I grew up in. Life is, life is not forever. Life is temporary. You're, you only have a set amount of days. Um, you better fucking do what you got, what you came here to do, because it's not going to last forever. That's just been drilled into me from day one. So, okay. But there's things I do regret, okay? Number one, uh, I should have taken a lot more nude photographs, not more. I should have taken some uh, pictures of myself naked before I had a child, because I thought my body was dog shit before I had a kid. Oh, shit. Now it is a disaster, and I should have just taken so many nude photographs of myself in my 20s. That's when I looked amazed. And I didn't even work out. Oh, so skinny and my tits were in the right place. God damn it. That is, that is definitely a major regret I have. Uh, what else? I should have started comedy earlier, but I didn't know. See, that's the thing. I look back and I'm like, yeah, but I didn't know. Same with the naked pictures. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know my tits would be down to my stomach. I did not know that I would look like an African lady now. Okay, so what do you guys think? Here we go. Here's the top five regrets of the dying from this book, okay? The first regret, and I, what the fuck did I just tell you? The first regret seems to be about inauthenticity and not seizing the day. It is when you do not have options that you realize how many you had. Dreams, ambitions, and hopes were not fulfilled because people were too busy, too distracted, too procrastinating to do what they really wanted. This is life is not a dress rehearsal. Warning, now may be your only real opportunity. Hmm. Hmm. That's really interesting, guys. Now, can I tell you why I don't buy into this horse shit either? Okay, so on the one hand, I, I totally get it, bros. You got to seize the day. It's a finite existence, okay? You're not going to live forever. You're not going to be attractive forever. You're not going to have your wits forever. You're not going to be as strong as you are or as thin and beautiful as you are today. <laughs> truth, truth. <clears throat> now, there's only a handful of things I truly believe you can't go back and do. Especially if you're young and you're listening to this, there's almost nothing that you've done that you can't undo at this point. Uh, yeah, you know, okay, there's a few things you can't do the older you get. Having children, I think, is like one of the things. Listen, you, you, you really, there's a, there, is a time, there is a time stamp on some things, not all of them. Like I said, children, um, there's a timeline. Becoming an astronaut, okay, look, I'm not gonna, you're not going to become an astronaut at 40. It's, it's just not really possible. You're too old. Things like military stuff, guess what? I'm not going to be a Marine. That dream is gone. <laughs> My dream of becoming a Marine. Uh, probably not going to be a professional dancer at this age. It's fine. I'm fine with that one. Um, not going to be like an athlete. Just anything athletic, you have to start that shit when you're four. Okay, it's gone. Uh, but 
you know, like everything else, come on, what is there that you really can't start almost any point in your life? And, and what have you done that's so grave? Aside from murdering somebody, you're in prison for life. Yeah. Okay. You fuck that up. So don't just don't murder anybody and you can pretty much undo. And even the child thing. So you can adopt. Big whoop. But what, what is it that you've done that's so ir- irreparable? Especially if you're in your 20s. There's, you know, aside from, I, I get it, you start a family with somebody maybe you don't like. That's a toughie too, but it's manageable. It's not, it's not you know, everything. That's a manageable oopsie. I don't believe, I'm trying to say, and I'm trying to, I'm saying it poorly, but I'm trying to say that there, there's nothing you've done aside from murder that is totally, totally unrepairable. And I know it feels home, hopeless and, and, and horrible, but it's, it's really not, dudes. You can still go to college at 40. Don't fucking believe the hype. Don't believe that people, oh, it's, you're not supposed to. So what? So what? There's so much stuff that they tell you you're not supposed to do at certain ages. Who gives a shit? Who fucking cares? Look at, look at Rodney Dangerfield. He didn't start comedy late, but he came back to it in his, what, 50s? He quit, came back. Phyllis Diller started stand-up at 35 with five kids. Come on. So yeah, seize the day. Absolutely. You know, I'm huge. I'm huge on this. Huge on this. Uh, But at the same time, don't let that be an excuse. Oh, I did something and then I I can't because it it happened. I'm all, there's always, there's always a way I believe. So maybe you're not an astronaut, but maybe you teach about space or some shit. I don't fucking know. Listen, I'm a comedian. I'm not a psychologist. Some people seem to imply, this is from the article, that they were too inhibited by the powerful forces of family and religion. Oh, yes. We get that a lot on this show. My religious upbringing, my family won't allow. I come from a strict upbringing, convention, circumstance to do what they felt was right for them. So too much passed them by. They never did see the Taj Mahal, go swimming with the dolphins, hire a Rolls Royce for the day. Oh, that's hilarious. Is that somebody's big thing? To hire, hire a Rolls Royce for the day. Oh, that's funny. The Taj Mahal. I, yeah, I tell you, I got. I'm a a little not interested in India. Is that horrible? I mean, I know it's a spiritual place, but do I really want diarrhea for a month after? No fucking thanks. No, thank you. Swimming with the dolphins. I fed some dolphins once. Rolls Royce. Come on, those are for old Jews. That's the only people that drive Rolls Royce. A second regret is similar, except it relates to feelings. Oh, okay. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Presumably, this refers to strong feelings, both positive and negative. It used to be thought that keeping in feelings, particularly anger, was related to cancer. I I think that's accurate. The emotionally repressed, resentful, deeply frustrated, and angry person was prone, it was said, to cancer. And those with anger management problems, prone to heart attack, too much anger in or out, and you were done for. The science, however, did not support this simplistic notion. Oh, shut the fuck up. I I believe that the emotions affect your physical body, most definitely. Uh, But anyways, okay, so not expressing your feelings either way, for sure. For sure. I mean, how many times have have you dress rehearsed an argument with someone? (laughs) How many times have you sat in bed and been like, motherfucker, if she comes up to me tomorrow... And she fucking says that to me. I'm going to be like, Sandy, you know what you did. You know what you said. And then she's going to be like, Christina. (laughs) And then, of course, you see that person. You're like, oh, hey, Sandy. Hi. No, no, it's fine. Everything's great. (sighs) Yeah. I regret. What did you not say to people? You know, thankfully, I have uh, what's called a lack of boundaries. Um, I have some verbal diarrhea. So I tend to say things to people. Um, I regret sometimes what I say. I, I should probably go there. Yeah, there's a lot of stupid shit that I've said. I think I said some dumb shit last night to people. Yeah, it's a fucking... Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, so there we go. Um, so that was number two, not saying something to somebody. A third and major common regret is the issue of keeping up with friends. Oh, I'm so bad at that. Perhaps Facebook and Friends Reunited... I never even heard of that, have somewhat ameliorated the problem. Of course, not keeping up with friendships. I am the worst at that. I have, uh, I've been bad. I've been a fucking shit dick with people. 
Yeah. There is a skill in making friends, some effort in ma- effort in maintain relationships. The, the grammar is appalling in this article. There is a skill in making friends, some effort in maintaining relationships. There's no ing there. Good job in the article I'm saying. But there is also a great reward. One can be sustained by friendship supported and I'm sure yeah, anyway, okay, f- f- uh, friendship. Did you keep up your friends? Wow. Yeah, I'm fucking terrible with that. You know, but thankfully the people closest to me are as bad as keeping up with friendships as I am. Like my fucking best friend, like she and I will go uh, ages without calling each other and then we'll pick up the phone and be like, hey, butthole, what's up? And it's like nothing happened. So maybe I just have to be friends with other people um, who are shitty at it like I am. Okay. The fourth regret is I wish I'd let myself be happier. Oh, oh, you kidding me? That's my number one. God, I am the queen of this crap. I think I just talked to my shrink about this this week. Okay. It says, ah, the existentialists were right then. Who's, who's nailing it on the head? The existentialist stuff. Suffering is a choice. So is happiness? Question mark. This regret is all about fear of change, comfort blankets, self-pretense. It is all about fun aversion. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Laughing loudly and openly with others at the sheer pomposity, stupidity, and daftness of people. It is about being naughty and... Thank you, Bitsy. Bitsy, shh. It is about being naughty and silly and not caring what people think. Shh. Hey, would you relax? Excuse me, schnitzel. What are you talking to? Shh. You gotta be quiet. I'm trying to record a podcast here. Thank you. All right. Laughing. It is about naughty, being naughty and silly and not caring what people think. It is about doing little, often childlike things that bring extreme happiness, but are inhibited by inner and outer. For the love of God. What? Shh. Hey, what did I tell you? This is the last time I'm going to let you sit here if you're going to bark the whole time. Are you going to bark? Thank you. Okay, so giggling. Being giggly, naughtiness, and other signs of happiness are prevented. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I wish I'd let myself be happier. I mean, this is like the fucking core of my existence here, you know? And and maybe that's because everything in my childhood was about, you know, uh, survival and and everything is horrible and black and you're going to be broke and the world is crashing around. Like, I grew up in such a tense home uh, where, you know, the sky is falling because my parents came from a horrible communist country and the government's going to take everything away and you're going to die and you're going to get cancer and everything horrible. Yeah. So the irony is I know all these things and like, I want to be happy, but forget it, you know, forget it. There's no way I can relax enough in life. And it's funny because even when you you have more money and you have more success and security, it's, it's never, it never solves it. (laughs) <laughs> it never fucking solves it. I have everything I've ever wanted, you know, materially, um, my relationship, whatever. I've got it. I've got it. And I'm still fucking full of anxiety. So there you go. <laughs> why, why bother is what I'm trying to say, because you're, you're still going to feel it if you want to. It's a choice. I'm choosing to be full of existential angst. <gasps> It's definitely a choice. I'm choosing to suffer, but man, doesn't that resonate? Holy crap. Okay. (sighs) Okay. So it says perhaps the fifth regret that is most interesting. Apparently every male patient said they wished they had not worked so hard. It took them away from their children's youth and partner's companionship. Odd in some ways. For some men, work is a refuge from unhappy relationships and difficult families. It also presumes that friendships at work can never be as good, long-lasting, or fulfilling as those in the home. Can't work be absorbing, fulfilling, and a place where you can express your passion and vitality and explore and exploit your real skills? I don't fucking know. But I love how it's men. Only guys work hard, right? Right, ladies? Uh, but I get that a lot of men, um, I, especially in show business, if you're working for a producer who makes you stay until, you know, 10 o'clock at night, every night, uh, chances are they hate their home life. <laughs> That's true. I, I don't work with men like that anymore. No fucking way. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. The moral of the story, this article says, read the list of regrets 
If you were to be given just a few months to live, which regret would you have most? So seize the day. Do something about this. Happy is a person who leaves this life with honestly few regrets. Interesting. Interesting, mommies. There you go. So that's the top five things that um, people who were actually dying, aren't we all though, um, regretted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think it does boil down to inaction. Why don't we act? Why don't you do those things? Why don't you say those things? And a lot of it is inertia, which we've discussed on this show. And I was thinking about my own life and um, and how scared I was for so much of it. You know, even in college, I loved I loved school. My God, I loved the ivory tower of academia. Uh, but I was full of anxiety the whole time, stressed out the whole time about about the adult world. What was I going to do when I graduated? Who was I going to be? Would I meet a man that I loved? Would I have a child? Would I, you know, I was so worried about the future that I didn't enjoy uh, my college years as much as I should have which is right. Number four, that was the big one. (laughs) Not enjoying shit. Uh, uh, yeah. Why, why don't we act? It's so interesting. Oh, and and anyways, the, the point being that, um, well, look, I, there's a point in my life where I had decided to, to take an enormous leap of faith and, and become a stand comedian. And I, I remember, keeping that, keeping those cards very close to my vet, keeping the cards close to my vest, right? Is that how you say it? Yes. Um, because I, I knew in, instinctively, I had told people my plans in the past and they would naysay, they would discourage. Sometimes well-meaning people say things that discourage you and, and, you know, they they have their own fears and they project them onto you. And, uh, I didn't tell people, a lot of my dreams. And, and I was so lucky in, in a way because maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not luck. Maybe it was kind of a deliberate thing where you, you attract people to you who encourage you along the way. And now that looking back, I'm like, yeah, it had not been for a lot of people, a lot of people. I'm so thankful. Um, you know, some people I'm not friends with anymore. And I, now I'm looking back, like, gosh, maybe I regret yeah, but they were crazy. There's one person in particular who was so encouraging, but had a lot of problems <laughs> emotionally and would call me every day crying. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's better we're not friends. But, um, but in hindsight, uh, this person was a really helpful force in encouraging me to quit my day job, encouraging me to become a feature act, encouraging me to, against the good opinion of others, right? As Wayne Dyer used to we used to say, could go against the good opinion of others and to follow my heart. Um, cause one, one of the big regrets I have is that I, I didn't stand, I didn't start stand up sooner. You know, I, I fucking wish I would have known about this in college. I just didn't know. I didn't know that that was even an option that someone could be a comedian for a living. I had no idea. And it's not like you're surrounded by inspiring adults when you're in college or high school, you know, you're, you're, you're surrounded by establishment people I know they give you options. I remember, I remember being in college and being like, what am I going to do with myself when I graduate? And people saying things like, well, I mean, you can, you know, you can be a lawyer, you can be an accountant, you can be a doctor, you can be a, you know, all these sort of jobs that are great jobs and are great things to be. But just in my heart, I, I remember thinking like, oh, it sounds really bad. That's not for me. And just not knowing the other options, not knowing what's on the other side of those, of the quote, you know, normal jobs or whatever. And, and not having, um, and being scared and full of fear, full of fear because the unknown is terrifying. And I, I know so many people who are so talented and, and have all the potential and like, they just sit on it. They procrastinate, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'll write that song tomorrow, next week. To, you know, I've got excuses, right? I've got, I've got these kids. Can't, can't be creative. I got, you know, I got to do this. I can't uh, take flying lessons. I have to do this. I, I can't climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I've got to do this and that and the other. And you're like, all right, man. How, how many fucking excuses are you gonna have? How many? How many, bro, bruh? Yeah. But again, I. 
I look back and I'm so thankful that there are people that encourage me because I was so, I was such a chicken little guys. Listen, I wasn't always this enlightened, uh, perfect person you hear talking. <laughs> I wasn't always <laughs> perfection. I, you know, I was scared. And I was so lucky to have people like my husband encouraging me, telling me I could do it, even now. And it's, a, it's an evolution, man. I, I don't know. Some people, I guess, are lucky to have the uh, self-esteem to know that they can do things. I certainly did not. I certainly did not. I had to read many books and have many conversations, and it was a slow, slow, slow progress. It still is. It's a slow climb to realizing your self-worth and what you're capable of. But I think back to those hard years. I, it, I was 32 years old. I decided to become a full-time comedian, and I was terrified. I quit my day job. I had no money. I just had a really... I had good people around me, good people, and not people I'm related to, by the way. <laughs> That's a fallacy. Your, your relatives are often not <laughs> supportive. <laughs> Don't be surprised. People closest to you. Um, but inactivity, why? Why do we not do stuff? It's fear. It's totally fear. But fear of what? Fear of rejection, fear of failure. Well, those are, those are the big ones. Fear of, fear of being out of control. Fear of what? Not all of it. I don't know. A good book, Feel the Fear, Do It Anyways. Susan Jeffers, I've talked about it on this show a lot. Read that book, Feel the Fear, Do It Anyway. Susan Jeffers, read it. Uh, a great book about, about fear and, and really it boils down to, this is what she says, that fear is uh, fear is the belief that you can't handle something. That's what she says. It's the, it's the, it's that you can't handle the outcome. And I, I remember one time I, uh, Mitch Fatel, very funny comedian, old friend back in 2008, I did a set at the Irvine improv. Uh, I think we were pitching some show or something at the time. And, and I was newer to comedy, and I was showcasing for the manager of the club, and I, it was a fucking high pressure gig. Anyway, um, I ate shit. Ate shit so fucking hard, and I was mortified that I had bombed. And uh, But before that, I was nervous, and Mitch could see it. Mitch Fatel could see that I was very nervous before I went up. And he said something to me that has stuck with me for, for many years past. He said, Christina... Just say to yourself, no matter what happens, I can take care of myself. No matter what happens, you're going to take care of yourself. And I thought, oh, wow, that's like, well, isn't that the whole problem is I'm afraid of feeling out of control. I'm afraid of, uh, oh, I can't handle the outcome of this. And that's uh, really, really amazing advice for everything you know, I'm so afraid. It's so funny. I'm afraid of my kid getting sick. He hasn't been sick yet. Partially because when he was born in December, in the height of cold and flu season, the doctors read us the riot act about taking him out. Don't take him out. Don't take him out. You know, 500 kids get hospitalized a week with pneumonia and their baby, the baby's going to get sick. And Papa, and I, we didn't take him out because we were terrified of him getting sick. And he hasn't been sick. And I keep thinking, I know this fucker's going to get sick. He's going to get sick the, like a week Tom's out. And I'm going to be alone with this fucking kid. I'm going to have so much anxiety about it. <laughs> and he will. He will. And of course I will have anxiety. But, but I can handle it. And, you know, you're going to handle the rejection. You can handle the heartbreak. You can handle it. The only thing you can't handle is, is, is fucking not acting. I, 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 you know, I think about this shit all the time. Whenever I'm on the precipice of some decision, even with having the kid, it was, can I live with the regret of not doing it? And sometimes you can. Sometimes the regret's not that big of a deal, but, you know, for some, for some it outweighs the other stuff. For me, it did. So I had it. Can you believe this? I've been talking this long. My kid's still asleep. Yes, motherfuckers. Huh. Inactivity saying shit to people that deathbed crap by the way i mean look with my mother 
it was never going to happen. She was out of her fucking mind. But I did have that thing of like, oh, I should go. I wish I could have said things to her. I wish I could have told her because she died in July. For those of you who don't know, my mother was fucking crazy. And I mean, legit, like she had schizophrenia. She was a borderline. We'll do an episode uh, again about that someday. But um, hmm. Uh, I did. I did have that thing of, gosh, I should have. I wish I would have known she was dying because I found out after the fact and I didn't have a chance to go to her deathbed and, and, and all this. And I remember my, when her body was at the, the mortuary, they asked me if I wanted to see the, the body. I was like, no, <laughs> no, no, thanks. What for? That would stick in my head way worse. I hadn't seen her in, you know, eight years before she passed. I didn't want my last memory of her to be, you know, as she was dead, but point being, um, my shrink was like, yeah, you, you couldn't have said shit to her that she'd register, which is true. But still, you know, you want to just know that you said it, that you did it. But I talk, I, I say it in my own way to her now, and I'm sure she hears, right? I don't fuck, who fucking knows. A, I don't know. But yeah, carpe diem, bros. <laughs> uh, also, getting an education, that's another thing I read that people um, regret not doing is not being educated. And especially in this day and age, there's so many options. Being educated is not for the elite anymore. You know, it's not just for rich people. You can go to a community college. You can, you can go to an online college. Um, I agree. Education to me is paramount. I mean, it's probably, I, you know, as Patty Smith said in the two episodes ago, cultivation of the mind, I think I agree with her, is uh, paramount. That, that is it. Without your mind, you are nothing. Without a functioning brain and a mind that can think clearly, uh, you're fucked. And I see it every, I see it every week. I see it all the time. People that make the same uh, mistakes over and over and over and over again, and uh, they never seem to figure it the fuck out, man. And why? Because their minds are garbled. Now hold on. Now I know someone sent me this email. Let me see if I have addressed everything. Oh, oh, let me see this shit. Oh, God, look at all this. When you type in the word regret, did I fucking not? Oh, my life. I don't know. Hold on one second, mommies. Let me let me find this fucking thing. Is this fun listening to me uh, search for an email? <laughs> okay, here we go. Hey, jeans. I'm a guy in my mid-20s with a pretty good life. I've been fortunate, worked hard, but have a good job and plenty to be thankful for. But that doesn't stop me from being flooded with feelings of regret. I always look back and think that I should have done some things differently. I should have changed my major. I should have realized that the girl was into me. I should have took more risks. And the list goes on. I guess a part of this arises from confirmation bias or maybe being a little more wise than I was as a high school or college kid. I feel like a lot of people wrestle with this too. How do you keep feelings of regret from taking over? How do you learn to let shit go? Well, I'll tell you, bro. Um... You, let, you learn to let shit go by taking action. Really, that is the only, in my opinion, because what you're doing when you look back, right? What's that saying? Looking back is depression. Looking forward is optimism. You got to stop flogging yourself. Now, you read that book by Malcolm Gladwell about the 10,000 hours of practice outliers. Read that book. Now, what he says in Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell, which is really interesting, is the idea of practice. We're talking about practice, as Alan Iverson says. But not just practice, meaningful practice. Because I've seen comedians do it for years. There's guys who do the same act for 20 years, and they still suck. And why? Because they're not learning from their mistakes. They're not going up sober, maybe, and they're not correcting whatever it is that they're fucking up, bro. My advice to you, and I think is the only way to, to correct the, uh, the idea of regret, is meaningful practice, meaningful living, meaningful life, a mindful life, a mind that is active. Pay attention. What is it that you fucked up in the past? What is it and why? That's really important. Why? And when it comes up again, you go, oh, uh-oh, ding, ding, ding. Here it comes again, because guess what? It comes around again. It always comes around again always. That's the beauty of life is that you're given 
infinite chances to do the same thing over and over. Why? Because you got a problem with it. That's why it keeps coming back. And meaningful practice, meaningful routining of things, right? You learn, you adjust, you adapt, you move on. So that's how you do it. You do differently next time and you see how the outcome outcome is. And as far as love lost, listen, bros, some things cannot be repaired. Some things you live with. Some things you've said to people and that have ruined relationships and that's just it and there's no going back and yeah, you fucked it up and you do better next time. You try you try a different way next time. That's all there is. Yeah. And majoring in something different. Well, guess what? It sounds like you're in your 20s. You're young. Sounds like you can go back and do it again. Why not? Why can't you go back and get another major? What is it? Just just to do those major classes, another, I don't know, what is it, two years, really? Two or three years of credits? If you're not doing all the, um, what do they call it, electives and all the other horse shit they make you take in college to make you spend your money on shit you don't want to learn about, you can do it online. So get the second degree. Get a loan. Figure it out. Fucking do it. That's the beauty of this country. And I know I sound like my dad, but I, <laughs> but I mean it. This is America, Jack. There, there is a lot of freedom. Are you totally free? No. Are people ever going to be all equal? I don't know. I don't think so. But that shouldn't stop you. Don't let anything stop you. Fucking do it. Go get that major. As far as the girl, you're, she's on Facebook. As long as she ain't married with kids, she's fair game. I, I totally believe that. They just have a boyfriend. Who gives a shit. Talk to her. There's not like, listen, all these examples of things people regret, it, they're not written in stone. It's not an indelible mark. You know, unless you've murdered somebody, you can undo almost everything, I believe. Uh, no, not everything. Some relationships are fucked. But look, but if they're fucked, the relationship is fucked. It's not supposed to be right, anyways. You're not supposed to be with that person. You're not supposed to. Okay, I'm rambling. The point is action, 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 action. Read your existentialism, kids. Pick up your Jean Paul Sartre. <laughs> Existentialism and Human Emotions. It's a very small book. Changed my life. A- action, decision, choices. Those are the only things you have control over is your actions and your deeds and your choices. And life can be a deliberate creation. It can be a deliberate thing. And I hey, listen, and I'm talking as somebody that deals with massive anxiety and depression and deals with uh, not massive, not all the time, but you know, th- this whole thing about not, not allowing myself joy. That's my struggle. I, I have to, I have to deliberately go, what are you doing? Why are you allowing the suffering today? Are you suffering? Are you choosing to be a miserable fuck? Are you making your husband miserable today? Are you miserable yourself? Are you choosing to be a Grumpasaurus Rex? And yeah, sometimes I do choose it and it's and fine. That's how the day goes. <laughs> and everybody suffers around me and I'm a miserable fuck. Or you, uh, you know, roll with it. I'm reading this great book right now. My friend uh, Leslie recommended. Um, here, I'll show you. I'm reading it now. I'll do a show on it eventually. It's, uh, it's just so great, man. The Surrender Experiment. Have you guys heard of this? Michael A. Singer. I I, uh, I did another book by him uh, in an episode prior, The Untethered Soul. We covered that. But this this is a really neat, really neat idea, guys. I might have a half a glass of Chardonnay and just finish it. The Surrender Experiment. Um, the idea of allowing. The idea of not resisting. The idea that things are put in your way for a reason. And kind of allow things to unfold. Why are we resisting the natural flow of shit? And that's kind of ties into this regret thing. Look, man, things flowed and happened the way they did for a reason. Uh, You weren't ready for that major at the time, kiddo. You weren't ready. You weren't ready for that girl. You weren't ready for the job. You weren't ready for whatever it is that you're regretting. And that's why it didn't happen for you. Okay. But guess what? Like I said, it'll come back again. Now, the key is, did you do your 10,000 hours of practice? Talking about practice. Did you revise? Did you learn? And are you going to make the same fucking decision again or will you do it differently? 
That's it. That's all you got. And that's it. That's been deep, bro. And say the shit to people you want to say. Uh, yell at your boss. You know, one time I quit this great, not a great job, not a great job. I was a corporate paralegal for about mm, two weeks. And this guy I worked for was such a miserable cunt. And everybody in the office was uh, sick or sickly looking, terrified of him because he bullied people. He yelled at everybody. He yelled at his secretary. He yelled at me. And I remember one time I screwed up a document and he came in with a big red pen and he circled it and he goes, did you need to do it this way? You know, you did this wrong. This is wrong. And he was yelling at me and berating me. And I was like, oh my God, what? Like, did this guy just fucking bully me on a job? And I finally mustered up the courage to quit one day and I ran, I ran, what is wrong with me? I'm exaggerating today. I walked into the guy's office and I tell him I quit and you're a bully and you make everybody miserable in here. Look at everybody. They're cowering in fear. Everybody's afraid of you. And he called security and, and I said, you don't need to have security. Take me. I'm leaving now. But, and he goes, get out of here. Just get out of here. He was very, you know, rude and dismissive, but I'm always proud of myself that I stood up to that guy and that I told him what a piece of shit he was. Um, cause I don't often, I don't always do that. I do it in my head and I don't necessarily, uh, tell people I should tell people they're pieces of shit more often. Cause that does feel good. I'm always afraid of hurting people's feelings. Um, and I really shouldn't cause generally pieces of shit don't carry the same feelings of guilt and remorse that us non pieces of shit carry. You know, you know, when you're worried about offending a crazy person, like my mother, I used to walk on eggshells like, oh, I can't hurt her feelings. You know, <laughs> Oof, don't want to say that she might get upset. Well, guess what? She was going to get upset no matter what. They're crazy, crazy, crazy's going to get upset and go crazy no matter what you do. Don't even worry about it. It's the same, the rational people of the world, the people that you should have around you, <laughs> they don't need to be told off generally, you know? think about it the people that are good to you you don't need to cuss out and tell them they're retarded <laughs> so fucked up uh anyways bros i gotta go my kid's about to wake up uh thank you for listening to this and, and email me let me know what you want to talk about um i think a lot of women listen to this show i are you a woman <laughs> are you a girl listening to this show i think so i, I get a lot of emails from both gender genders but uh, let me know what you want to hear about. This is a really cool idea. Thanks for writing in anonymous, sir, who wrote in, or ma'am. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so do some shit this week, guys. Tell people you love them. Stop working so hard. Make a decision. Go back to school. Is it, it's never too late to go back to school. It really isn't. I went to law school when I was 26. I was older than some people. And then I dropped out after two weeks. (laughs) All right, guys, listen, carpe diem, motherfuckers. Do what you want to do. Stick it to the man and fuck the good opinion of others. Because most of the time, they're just, people are selfish. They're just looking out for their own stuff. They ain't even thinking about you. And I mean that in the best possible way. I really do. All right, mommies. Um, I love you. I'm going to go shower because I'm still in my pajamas, which is really exciting. Ah! going to shower pick up my baby jeans husband and i are gonna go outside maybe get some coffee maybe go drive around (laughs) and um have a nice sunday but today is uh when does this drop tuesday ah it's the middle of the week it's okay enjoy your life find the time to enjoy something right enjoy something all right guys be good Philosophize with Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. 
hey Miss Jeans, this ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.